And I'm telling you this, bro. It's a whole lot easier to get people to go to Miami to play football than it is to get them to go to Cleveland. Once again, massive news this NFL offseason. Star receiver Tyreek Hill's time with the Chiefs is over. He's worth every cent that he got because someone will give it to him. Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick. I mean, consider that. ESPN Radio. The Miami Dolphins just got better. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Freddie Coleman. You can tweet to us at Coleman ESPN at Amber W790. You can also join the conversation on the Canty Collin line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. We are asking, are the Chiefs still the team to beat in the AFC West? So give us a call. You can chime in on that. The Miami Dolphins have acquired Tyreek Hill. They turned over five draft picks in order to do it. That includes a first rounder in this year's upcoming draft. And Freddie, when I was listening to this news break during Barton Hahn, I turned on their show to hear how they were unpacking things, right? The show on before ours, of course. And they are very New York, right? And they were, I don't know if they're placating to the New York audience. Bart Scott's (laughs) going full New York on us. But they were arguing because Tyreek Hill, it seems chose the Miami Dolphins over the New York Jets. The report was that he was deciding between those two teams. Now, Tyreek Hill does not have a no-trade clause, but because a contract extension had to be part of these negotiations, he did have to agree to where he was going to go and actually accept a deal from them. And so the Chiefs were giving him that sort of deference. So it basically came down to the Jets or the Dolphins. The Jets were still willing to give a bunch of draft compensation, not a first reportedly, but a whole bunch of draft compensation as well. Tyreek Hill said, nah, I'd rather live in Miami. I'd rather play in Miami Gardens and live near South Beach. And Bart and Han think that that is ludicrous. Listen to Bart Scott. As a Jets fan, there's got to be a part of you that feels a certain way about this. Like, he chose the Dolphins over New York. That was it. He chose Miami over New York. Thing is, like, I understand Miami offers him more comfort, but if I had to pick between the quarterbacks, I'm going to pick Zach Wilson because he has the arm that he can get me there, right? But I understand he lives there. Yes, but understood. He, but he's I get a, it. He's already, doesn't matter to me. He always, he's already a popular player. If you want to be an icon, you come to New York and win. You win in New York, if you can turn things around New York – you become an icon. Winning in Miami, meh. Because do we think they're going to win the Super Bowl? No. You don't have to win the Super Bowl to become an icon in New York. You become an icon. You, 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 look at Julius Randle. If he wouldn't have messed it up with his attitude, well, don't, don't, what, 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 what he would have been. Let's not even go there. What he would have been. Watch what R.J. Barrett becomes. Mm. You, you'll see R.J. Barrett probably getting more national commercials if he becomes an all-star than Donathan Mitchell, who's a better player. Now, Freddie, I'm glad I'm here to try to provide a little Miami perspective. Now, first of all, he mentioned there Tyreek Hill lives in Miami. I can tell you everybody has a house in Miami, like every professional athlete ever. We do play that game down in Miami as well, where we always think every free agent is coming to us because everybody has a house in Miami, and it often doesn't work out. Just ask Peyton Manning. (laughs) Also, he mentioned there that he'd definitely rather catch footballs from Zach Wilson, and I don't know what to do with that information because I don't know why we're making the assumption that Zach Wilson is better than Tua. I'm not out here saying Tua is Patrick Mahomes, but uh-huh. I'm also not sure Zach Wilson is even close to Tua Tungavaloa at this point. And then third, the whole icon New York 
conversation. Like we're still having that conversation in 2022. We think we have to be in New York City to be famous. And by the way, isn't Tyreek Hill already a superstar? Not for nothing. I mean, as the strains of New York, New York start spreading news happening in the background there. Amber, here's the deal. And I'm a native New Yorker. Can we stop with the old, back in my day, Sonny, when, when people played in New York, they had a chance to own the world. Can we stop with that conversation? You know how many iconic athletes don't play in New York? That they can go make commercials in New York. They can go make commercials in Los Angeles and be an iconic player. That now, You know when you become an icon? When you win. That's how you become an icon. When you do that and you win championships or your team is competing for championships. Look at Steph Curry, an iconic basketball player. Has not played one time in New York as a player other than playing on the road against the New York Knicks. I know that's the kind of thing that, to your point, maybe placates the New York audience. But any New York fan in their right mind, any New York fan in a brain in their head is not saying, man, Tyreek Hill made the wrong decision because he had a chance to be an icon in New York. If you want to say he made the wrong decision because Zach Wilson's arm is better suited for his talents, I might slide away with that. I'm still waiting for Zach Wilson to be a consistent passer. Because you can say all you want about his great arm, but that guy's inconsistent and it was inaccurate. And I know it's only one year, but can we please stop this Clint Eastwood, Fred Sanford argument that if you don't play in New York and you're going somewhere else, your chances of having that kind of scratch outside of the field is going to be harmed. That is a complete fallacy. Name the last great athlete that played in New York and became an icon. Name one. The last one. You know what the last New York iconic athlete to play and succeed and not win a championship was Patrick Ewing. He tried for all his worth with the New York Knicks in the 80s and 90s. He became an icon because that's all the Knicks had. Eli Manning became an icon. Why? Because he won the New York Giants. If he didn't win a Super Bowl, we're not talking about Eli Manning becoming an icon. Barhan and Aaron Hunt, I love you guys. Stop with the Clint Eastwood nonsense that you can become an iconic athlete by playing in New York. You only become an icon when you win, no matter where you are, especially in 21st century sports. I also don't know, frankly, if a wide receiver becomes an icon. I mean, if Zach Wilson does turn things around for the Jets, I believe it because of that position. But also, if you're a quarterback and you're winning Super Bowls and it's because of you and that greatness, it doesn't matter what market you're in. Mm -hmm. You're going to be an icon in this sport. I don't know why we're out here pretending also like Miami's some you know small market where there's no bright lights at all. That Tyreek Hill is riding into oblivion by going down to Miami. Right. When he was just playing in Kansas City all this time, like why? Why are we? Act- and he's a star already in Kansas City. I don't know why we're acting like he needs to be in the number one market. It cracks me up, though. I'm yeah. glad that you're doing this as a native New Yorker. Oh my god! For those of us who aren't New Yorkers, I think it cracks us up because, of course, we love to do this, particularly in the NBA, right? Like Bradley mm-hmm. Beal's going to the Knicks, John Morant's going to the Knicks, Zion Williamson's going to the Knicks. Everybody's going to the Knicks. Nobody's going because. To the Knicks. Because they, uh, LeBron's going to the Knicks. Everybody was going to the, everyone's going to the Knicks or nobody. they were going to go to the Knicks because it's the Knicks, because it's the Mecca, because it's New York City. And then uh, nobody ends up. In fact, they, they go down the street to Brooklyn. I, I mean, they go over the yeah, bridge to yeah. Brooklyn. Like that, Thank like you. the what, arguably the best player in the NBA right now does that instead of going to Manhattan. It's un, it's unbelievable that we're still having that conversation and not that it never plays in two things. I'm sure there's some athletes that think, sure, I'll go to New York City and I guess handle that media and and there's other things outside of just my respective sport that I could get done in New York like LeBron's doing in LA. Fine. But you don't have to be there by any means to be an icon. By the way, name the last iconic wide receiver in the National Football League. (laughs) Terrell Owens is the last iconic National Football League wide receiver. How many years did he play in New York? Zero. 
and he's an icon as a wide receiver. And for a lot of that, Amber, not even as a football player, mm-hmm. because he got in touch loving him some him when it comes to Terrell mm-hmm. Owens. That's the last iconic wide receiver. Icon wide receivers don't happen in this day and age. You know who are icons in football? Got quarterbacks, period. Or Aaron Donald, who's outperformed his position when it comes to that. And even it took for him winning a Super Bowl this year. For him to even have a talk about iconic status, let's lose this old 1940s zoot suit argument that came up with Barton Hahn about he passed on a chance to be an icon by going to Miami and not going to New York when it comes to Tyreek Hill. Well, and Aaron Donald's an icon in this game. I guess it depends what kind of level of icon we're talking about. Like, can Aaron Donald walk into, you know, any restaurant in any city in the country and people know who he is who no. are, you know, not real fans of football? I don't know. No. I mean, I, I don't know if he – I don't think he's probably that kind of superstar. Like, exactly. that typically comes from the quarterback position and not really from any other position on the field, for better or for worse. But – uh Barton Hahn, big mad that he that Tyreek Hill seemingly chose the Miami Dolphins over the New York Jets. The Dolphins odds to win the Super Bowl, according to Caesars, have gone from 70 to one to 40 to one with just the addition here of Tyreek Hill. That's pretty remarkable. Coming up, which quarterback is under pressure to win this season? Is it Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson or Matt Ryan? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. Did you know that you can listen to ESPN Radio commercial free? That's right. You can listen to all your favorite ESPN Radio shows and much more without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app to get started. You should tune into this conversation here because, mm-hmm. Freddie, I want to know. Of the quarterback moves, obviously we have seen the AFC get that much tougher this offseason, and now it is a bloodbath. Russell Wilson is on the Denver Broncos. Deshaun Watson, of course, is on the Cleveland Browns. Matt Ryan is now on the Indianapolis Colts. Out of those three guys who have changed teams this offseason, who has the most pressure on them to win? Oh, it's Russell Wilson. Honestly, to to be honest with you, Amber, I don't think it's even close. I mean, Matt Ryan is going to a great situation with the Indianapolis Colts because anybody that's not named Carson Wentz, they're going to like that. Deshaun Watson, we don't know when we're going to see him on a football field. So whenever that happens, because the NFL is not just going to let him play 17 games and say, let bygones be bygones. Those 22 civil suits, ah, don't worry about that. We're not going to punish you. There's going to be at least a four to six game suspension. He might even whittle that down to four games. That could be the most. But now we're talking about a guy in Russell Wilson who has a Super Bowl championship. For a little bit there, he was considered an elite quarterback in the National Football League. And how many times have we heard in the land of Elway that they were one quarterback away? Well, now we're going to find out because they're in a division loaded with quarterbacks. you got Derek Carr with the Raiders, Justin Herbert of the Chargers, and, of course, the biggest, baddest boy in that jungle, Patrick Mahomes. Call him Pat. Got to call him Patrick Mahomes. My Mahomes will get mad at you from Kansas City. Russell Wilson coming into that situation, letting people know that they had let me cook a little bit more. We could have won more games and maybe won another championship. We're going to find out because he's got receivers. He's got Cortland Sutton. He's got Jerry Judy. He's got a running attack. He's got an offensive line. He is under the most pressure out of those three because of his pedigree before and how things ended in Seattle when it seemed like they were not going to trade him. If we judge everything in terms of quarterbacks by Super Bowls, at least with Russell, you mentioned Russell Wilson's Super Bowl. Matt Ryan's at least made a Super Bowl appearance. Deshaun Watson hasn't. So if we always judge quarterbacks by that, then I guess the pressure's on Deshaun Watson. But with the Deshaun Watson situation, first of all, like you said, I have no idea when we're going to see him play or for how long this season. We're still waiting on the NFL to finish its investigation. And we all assume that at some point he will be suspended, at least something like six games, probably something quite significant. 
So that'll certainly affect the pressure this season because we're only going to see him for a shortened period of time. And there's only so much he's going to be able to do. And particularly if he takes over a team, you know, late in the season, I mean, who knows what position they'll be in. There's only so much he could do at that point. So I don't think the pressure, the evaluation, in other words, will get started there with Deshaun anyways, but 230 million guaranteed Mm. means there ain't no pressure on Deshaun Watson at any point here Mm -hmm. over the next five years. Now, I think there's a lot of pressure on the Cleveland Browns because of everything Deshaun Watson brings to the table. So once we, I didn't think about that. Yeah, once we see Deshaun under center consistently and the Browns in a position to win, which probably will be the following season, then I think the pressure ramps up, but not necessarily on Deshaun Watson himself. I'm glad Is you that mentioned fair? that. About, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about the Cleveland Browns because when you sign up on a deal with somebody involving 22 civil cases and it goes back, and we, you're not talking about this, Amber, when people said they were surprised that the NFL was going to allow them to be in the NFL sooner than later, I said, have you not been paying attention to the NFL? They don't care about those things, especially when it comes to a talented player. If Deshaun Watson was a run-of-the-mill quarterback, there's no way Cleveland is signing off on this. But if you believe, and we know about that guy's talent, that guy has a special talent. He, we saw that with the Houston Texans. It wasn't that long ago his Houston Texans team had a 24-0 lead in the first half in a playoff game in Kansas City. And the Texans have been unraveling as an organization ever since then. There's no question about his talent. But the NFL is always going to have enough leeway and give enough time and space to somebody with that kind of talent. Cleveland didn't have any qualms about signing off on a guy where they don't know exactly how this is going to be resolved, Amber, with the 22 civil cases and when he's going to get on the football field. They were willing to take that risk because that talent that he has is so seductive and it's a narcotic. And for the NFL, it's an irrational narcotic when it comes to the quarterback position and a guy like Deshaun Watts with Cleveland. You're right. They're under more pressure than him if this is going to work because they sign off on a guy that people have questions about his character when it comes to Deshaun Watson. And co- an ownership was willing to put a quarter of a billion dollars in an escrow account yeah. somewhere that's absolutely going to get paid out to Deshaun Watson, whether he's good or whether he's not the next time we see him play football. Now with Matt Ryan, I also frankly don't think there's much pressure. I mean, I think Matt Ryan and the Colts, I think that's going to be a huge addition for the Colts. I think the Colts are going to take a huge step. Obviously, I think Matt Ryan is an upgrade even at 37 years old or 36 years old over Carson Wentz. And I think that Matt Ryan will at least look like Philip Rivers did on that team. Yes. I think that the Colts are going to be good. I just don't know for Matt Ryan in terms of his legacy if it really matters. I mean, we've seen him do you know really consistently good things in the NFL for 14 years. If he was able to win a Super Bowl for the Colts that obviously be icing on the cake and might take his legacy to the next level. But I don't think there's any pressure, so to speak, in order for him to get that done. The narrative around Matt Ryan, no matter what happens in Indy, is still going to be that he was a darn good quarterback for a very long time during his tenure in Atlanta. I do think with Russell Wilson, it's interesting because we're talking about, of course, a younger quarterback and one who I feel like people really expect to win a Super Bowl with this Broncos team. Everyone's telling us the Broncos are a quarterback Mm -hmm. away. I know it's not something that you and I agree with, but here's the quarterback. This is the guy. And I think Russell Wilson has skated a little bit the last couple of years in Seattle because of where Seattle's been. I think that that stops now with the Broncos. Like now we're going to see where Russell Wilson is at 32. He was playing through a hand injury last season in a down season. Fine. But also the concern, of course, with the quarterback into his, 30s now is maybe he's you know possibly losing his step I don't think that's going to be the case I think he's going to be look really good in Denver but I think that there's pressure to look that good and to actually win something there not just look good if you're Russell Wilson because leaving that organization that you were tied to for so long people still look at the Super Bowl that you won that you didn't win it was all about the defense and the running Mm -hmm. game they look at the Super Bowl that you lost where you had a chance to make a completion 
even though they took the ball out of hands of Marshawn Lynch. And I've always wondered about that narrative because if he had completed that pass, I know the narrative would sounded like Amber. What a great call by the Seahawks. Pages expecting to run, they fooled him. Butler makes that interception. And Russell Wilson, he had a chance to make a play and didn't make a play. They shouldn't have put the ball in his hands. People are going to look at you different if you go out there and you win a Super Bowl and you're the leading star. You're the star of that whole play when it comes to Russell Wilson. As terrific as he's been, now he's in a division where you better be a star. You can't be a background person. You can't be an extra. You can't be Kramer. you got to be Seinfeld when it comes to Russell Wilson. Right now, you can't do that in that division with Herbert, Mahomes, and Carr. He's got to be the biggest, baddest guy or get close to it because if he doesn't, then maybe just maybe Seattle is right all along about Russell Wilson being a complimentary quarterback and not being the main guy leading this offense. I guess in fairness, though, by that standard, Matt Ryan has one of the most infamous Super Bowl collapses in NFL history. So I guess by that standard, he needs uh, the Super Bowl win here to uh, maybe change some of that narrative or at least raise some of that memory. Coming up next, we talked about what quarterback has the pressure, what NFL team has improved the most this offseason. ESPN Radio. All 32 have done something to try to improve this offseason, but who has done the most? ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So, Freddie, mm-hmm. which NFL team has improved the most in this wild NFL season that has already been NFL offseason that has already been like no other? And don't worry, we still got a ways to go. There's yeah. some still huge named free agents out there, but so far evaluating where we stand right now, who's done the most? Um, for my money, and I know it's going to be completely out of left field, not Barton Hahn out of left field, nothing along those lines <laughs> from that standpoint. Guys, you know I love you guys. For my money, the team that has improved the most this offseason, Amber, has been the Jacksonville Jaguars for two reasons. No Urban Meyer and no Urban Meyer. I mean, anybody, just Google that article in The Athletic. I knew it was horror awful to quote Shaquille O'Neal last year. I didn't realize it was that awful to the 25th power behind the scenes, behind Urban Meyer. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, they made some nice additions for to find that offensive line. But the fact that there's no Urban Meyer and no Urban Meyer to protect Trevor Lawrence and you bring in Doug Peterson, who's been a really good quarterback whisperer in the National Football League, that's a hire that we don't talk about enough because he's got a long road ahead of him. The fact that Urban Meyer is not part of our professional football lives or amateur football lives, for my money, the Jacksonville Jaguars have improved the most this offseason because that is clearly addition by subtraction when it comes to him. That's not the pick I would have expected. I don't think that's probably the pick that anybody expected, but I like that pick because the Jags have been big spenders this offseason. I mean, two offseasons in a row now, but the Jags have been big spenders this offseason to try to turn things around. Like the Dolphins, where we're talking about them trying to put Tua in a position to win and really be able to evaluate him. They're also doing what they can in Jacksonville to put Trevor Lawrence in a position for success. We know he was not in one last season. He kind of got a pass because of that, Freddie, because he had a terrible rookie season. But we know that it was a dumpster fire with everything, obviously, with Urban Meyer that you just mentioned. And then the team around him as well. That should be an improved team this season. I mean, they brought in Brandon Scherf to protect him. They Mm -hmm. brought in Christian Kirk. They brought in several weapons for him. They improved. Evan Ingram tied in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So several weapons. They they improved their defense as well this offseason already. Big spenders. The Jags. Do you think that ramps up? We've been talking a lot about ramping up the pressure on Tua. Then does that ramp up the pressure on Trevor Lawrence, or do you think it's still too early in his second year? I don't think it ramps up the pressure mainly because they look at the pedigree of Doug Peterson, what he's been able to do with quarterbacks, and I believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a terrific quarterback in the National Football League. That's so hard to evaluate. You can make all the predictions you want, Amber. We really don't know when it comes to quarterbacks. Nobody saw Patrick Mahomes coming to this level. 
with the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody thought Justin Herbert or Chargers would be, in my money, an elite quarterback already after two years in the National Football League. We thought Tua Tungavailoa would be a lot better in Miami. That has not been the case. It is so hard to evaluate and prognosticate when it comes to quarterbacks. But at least Trevor Lawrence has a fighting chance compared to last year. He carried that organization because anytime something happened, Urban Meyer was nowhere to be found to speak on his behalf, unless it was going to speak for him to say, I'm not the bad guy. Trevor Lawrence is the one that said, we're going to stick together as a team. We're going to continue to play hard and go out there and play each and every Sunday. Now he at least is going to have support mentally and physically. To me, only good is going to come out of that. You won't see it in terms of going from what they were last year to a playoff berth. They're a couple of ways, years away from that. But at least there's some kind of structure and organization with that organization that was clearly lacking last year in Urban Meyer's only year in the NFL. I love the Peters and higher. I do think that there is a little bit more pressure on Trevor Lawrence this season, not to a tongue of Aloha level pressure, but right. I do think Trevor Lawrence again, like he really flew under the radar. Typically we would have spent a lot more time talking about him as That's being fair. the number one overall pick. And by the way, a number one overall pick that frankly was the most decorated number one overall pick that I can remember in recent memory. Every every draft expert, Every person who analyzes the NFL told me that is a can't-miss pick. Mm -hmm. And so far, that pick has actually looked like a miss. He gets to skate when the organization is a complete dumpster fire like it was last season. But I do think under Peterson now and bringing in the aforementioned weapons for him and protection for him and ramping up that defense, again, I'm with you. They ain't going to win anything this season, and the pressure isn't there for that. But I do think he needs to show some improvement and show us that he has some of that talent that we did didn't really get a chance to see so far in the NFL. My team, okay. Freddie, in terms of who has won the offseason, the Los Angeles Chargers. Really? Because okay. I think what we're seeing here with the Chiefs right now is how important it is to win while your quarterback, when you hit on the quarterback, is on a rookie deal, right? Because you can't keep all those pieces after you pay him $45 million a year. And mind you, by the time we pay Justin Herbert, which I think is just Oof. in about another year, they're going to start renegotiating there. When By the yeah. time they start talking numbers with Justin Herbert, who knows where we'll be based on the numbers that we've seen with Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson this offseason. So they're going to be in cap trouble in the future. And because of that, you have to try to hit right now. They were... 10th most in yards and fourth most in points allowed last season on that defense. That defense was the reason that they couldn't make the playoffs last season. They know that they already had it with their offense with Justin Herbert, and they brought in a tight end to help him as well this offseason. But bringing in J.C. Jackson, bringing in Khalil Mack, bringing in Joseph Day, it has been a huge upgrade for them at really, really important key positions. I think that Chargers team is going to be markedly improved. You make a point about quarterbacks and having to pay a Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes is going to get his money. Lamar Jackson, Baltimore is negotiating his money. At a certain point, when do we start seeing teams being more financially and fiscally responsible when it comes to that quarterback position? Because I know if I'm a general manager right now, as much as I may love my quarterback, are you really going to give that guy that kind of signing bonus? And then you have to do what be forced to do something that the Green Bay Packers had to do with Devontae Adams. You sign Aaron Rodgers that contract, you can't keep Devontae Adams. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is getting his money. Other guys are getting paid on that football team, which means you have to move on from Tyreek Hill. The Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, they gave him that kind of money. Not say he didn't earn it, but he did earn it, but you have to fortify him and his bank account, but now you can't keep Amari Cooper, although they got CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. They're going to be okay from that standpoint. At a certain point, when is that general manager going to step up and say, are we really going to potentially gut our team because we have a quarterback we believe in, but the going rate 
is going to get higher and higher and higher, and the salary cap is only going to go up so much, Amber, where you can be able to keep pieces around him. That really puts a lot more pressure on quarterbacks. If you bring that kind of money to the table, they're going to accept that money. But how, how are you going to be able to manage your roster around the quarterbacks when they're commanding anywhere from maybe a half to maybe a little bit more than half of your salary cap based on signing bonuses and such things like that? Well, we saw the Cowboys try, right, for a moment there and delaying paying Dak, and then they, of course, ended up paying Dak. And we saw Cleveland, they've obviously done it with Baker Mayfield because they don't want to step up to the plate Mm -hmm. and pay him coming off of his rookie contract. But I don't think we're actually going to see the GM that does that for the proven quarterback, frankly. I mean, because in the end of the day, you're going to fold like the Cowboys ended up doing. I mean, you're going to pay Herbert and you're going to pay Burrow astronomical sums after this season, you're going to pay Lamar this offseason. Something insane. You're going to pay Derek Carr this offseason. Mm-hmm. Something less insane. But still, it's going to be a good payday for him. Because at the end of the day, those guys are all too important for their teams Absolutely. to ever risk letting them walk. Lamar Jackson is going to his last year as a contract. Like We're already at a point where I'm, we're all shocked he doesn't have a deal already. And he need, they need to in Baltimore, get a deal in place for that quarterback. And the asking price just continues to go up. So the longer they don't get a deal done, which reportedly a lot of that's been on Lamar, but the longer they don't get a deal done there, he's just costing them more and more and more. So I think actually (laughs) what we're going to see here in the future, again, is Herbert and Burrow get paid two years before they really would need, you know, before they'd be free agents. I think we're going to see a rush to extend all these guys because they don't want to end up in that position because it ain't getting cheaper out there it's just getting more expensive yeah and at a certain point your accountant may be the most important player when it comes to the front office of an NFL team because when you have that kind of salary structure Amber to your point you got to make sure that your team is not going to be compromised in terms of financial considerations bringing in players it's no longer the NFL is a second by second league but you can't operate that way financially when it comes to the quarterback. you got to think about the big picture. You're hoping that you're winning a championship by that time like Kansas City's been able to do. They've gone to four AFC championship games. They have one Super Bowl to show for it. It shows how hard it is to win in the NFL, not just a Super Bowl, but a playoff. And if you believe you have a guy that can be the difference between getting to the playoffs or losing early or getting a run, then you're going to pay for that guy. But if you compromise your franchise, then all of a sudden you really got to have a reboot every four and five years, and who knows how many quarterbacks may want to stand for that no matter what kind of money they're getting from their teams and that signing bonuses as well. I see you, Frankie, in New York. You've been holding on a long time, even if I, after I poked a little fun at New York. Uh, Gerald in Wisconsin, I see you too. If you want to join the conversation, you can reach out to us on the Canty Call-In line, 188-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. But coming up next, can John Morant and the Grizzlies become the next great franchise in the NBA? This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Tyreek Hill is now a Miami Dolphin. Ooh, Freddie, that sounds good to me (laughs) as a Dolphins fan. Frankie in New York, he has some thoughts on the Tyreek Hill trade to the Miami Dolphins, where the Dolphins sent five picks in return, including a first rounder to Kansas City for Tyreek Hill. And the Dolphins also, of course, made Tyreek Hill the highest paid receiver in NFL history. So Frankie, thank you for holding on for so long. What do you have on the Tyreek Hill trade? Uh, I just wanted to think uh, about, do you think Joe Douglas made a mistake not offering a first-round pick to them because it would have taken some of the Tyreek Hill decision out of the process because Kansas City probably wouldn't have passed up on a you know number 10 or a number 4 to give Tyreek uh, you know, an option? 
seen. Well, I'm guessing the reason that Joe Douglas wouldn't throw a first in is because mm-hmm. their firsts are so high. <laughs> yes. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would imagine, like, asking the Jets to throw a first in, in this year's draft. Now, could they have thrown a first in in a, you know, in a later year's draft as compensation in 2023? I don't know the situation there. I do know that reportedly the Jets were very much willing to mm-hmm. trade a bunch of draft picks for Tyreek yeah. Hill. So they were playing ball in that regard. I have heard some theorizing that were they just using the Jets, was Tyreek Hill using the Jets to run up the price on the Dolphins for his own benefit because he, the onus was on him to seek these trades. I would imagine that if the Chiefs were going to get a top 10 pick in return in this year's draft, then of course they probably would have taken that deal. I don't know how it would work though if Tyreek Hill refused to sign the extension. If I'm the New York Jets, as much as I love Tyreek Hill, I'm not giving up a top 10 pick for him because no matter where you are, you're not going to be a good football team with him in 2022. If you're going to build this organization and Tyreek Hill's only been in the NFL six years, but he is 28 years of age and what skills that he brings to the table may not work for your football team with a young quarterback where everybody is going to double team him. So he's not going to be open and you still have a quarterback that can read defenses enough to know exactly how to get him open in those kind of spots. That's why I thought the Jets made the right decision not putting a first-round pick out there. This is a wide receiver-rich draft. They can find somebody to fortify and help out their young quarterback, but their young quarterback has to help out himself more than Tyreek Hill helping him. That's the problem here is that there's only so far Tyreek Hill can lift up Zach Wilson. There's only so far Tyreek Hill can lift up the offense as a whole or lift up that defense, right? I mean, the Jets have a lot of needs. And so for them to trade a fourth pick in this draft for, you know, in this situation for Tyreek Hill, I just, it's far too much. Plus all the other picks that they would have had to give up. I don't know if it would have been smart for a team that was in rebuild mode. It needs to build young around Zach Wilson. Tyreek's proven, but that, that is a high asking price. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Coleman ESPN at Amber W790. You can also join the conversation on the Canty Collin line. We have been talking about this Tyreek Hill trade. It is affecting the NFL <laughs> in numerous ways. Where the Dolphins, of course, now have Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs have five draft picks in return for Tyreek Hill. You can call us on the Canty Collin line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. We were also asking what NFL team has improved the most this Mm -hmm. offseason. Gerald, he's in Wisconsin, and he actually thinks that it's the team that got to retain their quarterback who has improved the most. Gerald, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. We're good, Gerald. Who do you think's improved the most? All right. I'm going to say the Packers for three reasons. Um, the most underrated move of the entire offseason is Green Bay fixing their special teams, their biggest hole, with the guy who somehow got the Raiders into the playoffs. Second reason, they improved. They got a new defensive lineman. Um on that team, on that defense that held down Russ, that held down Patrick Mahomes, that held down Joe Burrow. And three is wide receiver is the most overrated position in the NFL. I read an article this year that said that the Packers could actually go out and get Odell Beckham plus Jarvis Landry all for less than what the Raiders are paying um, Devontae Adams. I love Devontae. 
But up for that price tag, after Christian Kirk got what he wanted, there's no way the Green Bay Packers were going to keep him anyhow. And now they can go into the draft with a ton of capital, with a track record that says all they do is draft wide receivers and make them into stars. I will. I think that we should know. I don't know why we're clapping. I think well, we should we know. Clapping? I mean, yeah, why are we really? clapping? Uh, whoever back points. there. Really? Those were good points. Those were good points. Good job. Go. All right. So he's going to throw the defensive lineman when guys can't get open? Oh, yeah. He made good points. But come on, you brought back Aaron Rodgers to throw to. You need guys to throw to. I understand you don't want to overpay for Devontae Adams, Amber, but you still need guys to throw to in modern NFL. You need guys that can get open. And right now, they don't have those guys in the roster. They don't. Here's here's the problem, too, with relying on some of these free agents to go there, like an OBJ that you're trying to work out for, or Jarvis Landry, or uh, Julio Jones. If that if that's what you're banking on, and maybe that'll work, because you have Aaron Rodgers at the helm. But also, necess- you know, getting them to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, when there's a lot of other needs around the NFL, mm-hmm. isn't always the easiest sell. And I think it's what we saw with Devontae Adams, where with Devontae Adams, reportedly, by the way, the Packers offered him the same deal that the Raiders offered right. him. So and they were left. willing to pay him. I Gerald has said they weren't going to step up to the plate. They did they step did. up to the plate. Yes. Devontae Adams chose to go to Las Vegas. Now, there could be a variety of reasons for that. But one of those reasons seems like it's Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. maybe Aaron Rodgers worked ag- the Aaron Rodgers effect worked against the Packers in that regard. Because, listen, it was a tumultuous season for the Packers, not on the field, but <laughs> off the field because of everything that happened with Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot there. It seems like Adams would have rather gone and played, I guess, for Derek Carr. Of course, they were really good friends coming out of college that was his college quarterback and who knows maybe Devontae Adams would rather live in Las Vegas in the sunshine than in Green Bay Wisconsin it could be something as simple as that the money though was the same now I guess I should note that in Vegas there's no state income tax tax in Nevada but still Mm -hmm. the money otherwise at least on the NFL level is the same yeah his point about Adams and not ponying up for him would have made sense if they're going to go to the Army Air Force Navy offense or running the wishbone then yeah that makes sense with Aaron Rodgers running the triple option but Devontae Adams is a bad boy guy led the NFL receptions touchdowns and receiving yards the last four years you don't just easily replace that guy especially in 2022 it's going to take a little bit also, if they are good, that's fine. If it ends up working out for them this season, and maybe Devontae isn't as important as we thought because you also have arguably the best quarterback at the helm there and, and a reigning you know, back-to-back MVP. But losing Devontae Adams, losing his favorite weapon, losing a weapon you were relying on, even if it ends up being okay in the end, I don't think you can call that while we're in the midst of the offseason a win. Amen. Jeff, he's in Philly. He's got a different take on who won the offseason. Jeff, who do you think the one, won this offseason so far in the NFL? Well, actually, I, I don't have a horse in the race. My team is the 49ers, and they haven't done nothing. <laughs> I, I want to know... You know, what, what's taking so long for these guys to make moves? We got to keep up. Our window of opportunity to win is now. Our defense isn't getting any younger. You know what I mean? And if this kid, Trey Lance, isn't, if he isn't what they project him to be, I, I'll say we just go with Jimmy G another year. Don't trade him to Seattle. I don't care what they offer. Well, they're not doing that turn in the division. That, that'd be awful. Well, the, actually, it's funny because Chris Canty and I were talking about this yesterday because there's that report out there yeah. that John Lynch apparently is telling teams that he's got two second rounders in hand yeah. for Jimmy G. And we were thinking, why on earth 
would they not take that deal in a heartbeat? And then Canty mentioned, unless that deal is coming from Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe that's the only scenario where you would trade him in the division. If Seattle is just offering so much for Jimmy Garoppolo that you can't ignore, it's just so much more compensation than you would get from the Panthers or any other team that we're not thinking of off the top of our heads. Then maybe you take that risk. We've seen it in the past. We've seen the Donovan McNabbs of the world. Like we have seen occasionally a quarterback get traded within a division. It seems pretty inconceivable. Put, put it this way, they may not have any choice, Amber, to keep Jimmy Garoppolo because they've overplayed their hand. They probably thought that there are going to be enough bidders out there with Jimmy Garoppolo, and then the NFL did not even wait for them, to his point. Everybody else was doing something, and the 49ers kept waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, now that wait may lead Jimmy Garoppolo staying there because they may not be able to move on from him unless they cut him outright. They're not getting any compensation for him. That's the last thing the San Francisco 49ers thought was going to happen. They thought that maybe Pittsburgh, other teams would step up, and everybody else made sure that they took care of themselves. And the 49ers are not only left holding the bag, they're left holding the Jimmy Garoppolo and all the Subway sandwiches that they can eat with the new contract you got with that organization because that's where they are right now with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're in no man's land trying to move on from him. They're also having a hard time right now. Like that caller wants them to be so much more active in free agency. They have less than $4 million in cap space. Mm -hmm. They do need to move Jimmy Garoppolo in order to help that hit. But you also don't want to move Jimmy Garoppolo out of desperation because Jimmy's price is going to increase throughout in training camp, the regular season. If somebody goes down and he's already in that quarterback room with Trey Lance anyways, I'm not sure it'd be a huge problem to keep him there. I don't know if you necessarily need to trade him away in March. So maybe that has something to do also with what the 49ers are doing. Coming up, is Kansas City still hands down the best team in the AFC West? That's next.